Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode, and I'm joined by yet another new friend of mine, a brand new friend. We're just kind of getting to know each other here. Sienna Leaf, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners today. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Well, it, it is, and I know I say this a lot, and it probably sounds kind of cliche, and, and um, I mean, you hear it elsewhere in the industry too, but it really is a privilege. I, I One of the reasons that we're doing this podcast is... I mean, a bit selfish in nature, I guess you could say. I, I enjoy connecting with people are, and, and photographers in our industry in particular. And um, so to be able to sit and have conversation as part of my so-called job is is truly a privilege and, and more so to be able to connect with you today, Sienna. And uh, we're going to actually thank, and I have to say, I, I know I said this to you off air, I have to say on air again too, thanks for reaching out to us about this topic. We're going to actually get into what it means to be a successful part-time photographer Sienna pointed out to me, she's like, you know, I hadn't, hadn't really seen any content like this. And so she suggested the topic and we're going to dig into it in just a little bit. Before we do, um, one of the first questions that I normally ask has to do with a brand position, your business's brand position. Talk to us just briefly, if you will. I mean, if you were to sum up, first of all, what what type of photography you do, if, you, if you'll just kind of share that with our listeners first, um, but then talk to us about the unique selling point of your photography business. For sure. Yeah. So I kind of really cater to the wedding and couples market. So that's mostly what I do. Um, I do some family here and there. Um, but I totally believe that all of our lives are kind of an, a tightly knit collection of relationships. Mm. And we connect ourselves to each other by moments. So whether they be like the big moments, the candid in between moments, you know, those precious irreplaceable moments that showcase our journey together. And I really care deeply and put a lot of focus into the authentic and emotionally driven moments that happen during a wedding day or kind of during any session that I shoot, because I think that those genuine moments really reveal the deepest intimacies of the relationships that we all share together. Wow. Wow. We're going deep to, to begin with, which is great. <laughs> but it's interesting, too. It's kind of a reflection of what I, what I was just alluding to as far as this podcast and the significance of connection, even with photographers just in our industry, mm -hmm. this idea of, of looking at moments in our lives as an opportunity to either connect with or further connection with someone else, another human being, a fellow human being here on this earth. How do you communicate this idea effectively though to your clients or even your potential clients? I really focus on, of course, getting to know like who my clients are. And, you know, if, if they choose me to shoot their wedding day, they're going to get a relationship out of it, not just photos. So I really like to, you know, kind of become good friends with my brides and with my grooms and, and kind of bring that really like authentic genuineness to the table, which I think in turn creates for a really great working relationship. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And by the way, I, I have got to do a better job of this. Um, I, hesitate, or I did not mention, I should say that you are actually based out of Edmonton, Alberta. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Way up here in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then actually, I think you, you told me too, before we got started that you're in a smaller town outside Edmonton's kind of the market that you're focused on, but you're, you're outside of Edmonton. Yeah. So I actually, um, I live near, it's called Elk Point. 
And it's where I grew up my whole life. So wow. I did go away to uh, university for a little while to the big city to Edmonton. Um, but I actually live out back here in the country now. And I just advertise based out of Edmonton because that's kind of my my market. But I do love that I kind of get to live out in the country and there's no vehicle, no traffic, no people. So I really love it. <laughs> and, you know, this is, and again, we were talking about this before we started recording, but th- there is, there's something that I'm very much drawn to when it comes to the simple, you know, so-called country life or more rural lifestyle. Is there any element of that? I mean, you talk about the significance of relationships. Do you feel as though it, it's difficult at times to connect with others because there are less people around? What does that look like? Um, I think so. I think you definitely have to, you know, adapt kind of how you run your business. I've like a really great example is um, in-person sales. So in-person sales after a wedding would just really not be possible for me because I do live far away. Despite being in Edmonton a lot, I'm either Mm. typically shooting or meeting other clients. Um, So I think you kind of have to adapt your business and and, uh, find kind of ways around things. Yeah, that totally makes sense. We actually just uh, recently published an episode about in-person sales that doesn't actually require the in-person part. And so for those of you listening in, I I wish I had the episode number in front of me. If you just do a quick search at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com for IPS, you'll see that episode come up. And that might be something not only interesting to to you, Sienna, but also to those listening in, uh, because I realize that not all of our schedules or even business models allow for that that in-person sales experience. So interesting thing to consider, but regardless, I want to keep moving too. And for the sake of conversation, we've got a a pretty heavy topic to to get to here in just a second, but do tell our listeners, if you don't mind, what the most significant lesson has been that you've learned as a business owner so far, maybe if you had 15, 20 seconds to share with a fellow photographer, what would the first thing be that you would want to share with them? I think it would totally be to try everything. So like when you're first starting out, like try couples, newborns, grads, weddings, and then really from that, find your niche and what you love to shoot the most and build your business around that market. Because when I first started out, um, I literally had said, I never, ever want to shoot weddings until I shot my first wedding and I was completely hooked. But before I shot my first wedding, I really um, knew that couples were my niche. That's kind of just where I was in my best flow and did my best work. And so I would definitely tell people to just try a little bit of everything and really go with your gut and like go with what you love. And then another piece of advice would be to kind of find those meaningful connections throughout the industry. So community is really a buzzword right now, but I think it's a good thing. And it truly helps us to find, you know, people that you make these genuine connections with because you can bounce ideas off one another, ask for feedback on things countless, countless times. I've had to ask other photographers in my area questions. And I think because of community being such a big thing right now, um, people are really adapting to that model and people are a lot more open to sharing, and which is really great for a new business owner. It's huge. Yeah. And it really can't be emphasized enough. We talk about the idea of community quite a bit here on the podcast. And in fact, you and I were talking, Santa, just before we got started about uh, Show It United, one of my favorite conferences, certainly in our industry because of the emphasis on community. Um, I've also had the opportunity to attend another conference called the cookout. And that's another conference that has a similar emphasis on community. There's something so significant there because, you know, the reality is when it comes to education, most of what we need to learn to be good business owners, we can do a Google search and find pretty quickly. There's something to be Uh said for actually being able to go and take those classes in person, certainly. And I don't want to minimize that, but 
when we actually go to a conference that not, not only emphasizes education, but also puts emphasis on community and opportunity for co- real connection with other people that goes beyond that surface level conversation, you know, how's your business doing? When did you get in? You know, that kind of thing where we, we skip past that and we just go deep, kind of like you did to begin with today. I, that's, I think we can all benefit from those types of relationships. And so that certainly can't be minimized. But I, I also like your suggestion about trying a little bit of everything. Uh, it's so easy to get stuck in a box as human beings, and I've certainly been guilty of it, where you know whatever we're comfortable with, that's the thing that we do. And we just say, quote, this is who I am. And that's where the conversation ends, rather than at least giving, an op- giving ourselves an opportunity to, to kind of taste those other uh, variations, if you will, if, of the things that, that we're interested in. Photography, of course, to begin with, the way that we run our business, potentially different business models, those things that we even spend our time doing uh, during our free time. But I think it's good for us to push ourselves outside that, that comfort zone a little bit. I, you know, I can, I even think back to conversations with my, my parents and it was more of a one-way conversation from my parents where, you know, we're, we're told to eat something that we don't like and that kind of stereotypical, Hey, you better, you know, try that because you never know what you might like or try that. It'll grow on you. That, that type of Mm -hmm. advice. Um, it's kind of humorous to think back to, but really, there's opportunity in kind of opening our mind and, and opening this, the walls of our so-called box that we live in. And not only do we have the opportunity to experience more life that way, but there's opportunity also to, to push our business, to grow our business. So that was a really long-winded uh, way of saying, I, I think that piece <laughs> of advice was really, really great. And we should be more open to, to change and variety. I think that's great. Speaking of time, let's let's talk a little bit about something that you do on a daily or weekly basis that has enabled you to have more time, more space in your life for doing things other than just work? What is? Do you have a particular workflow tip or technique that you can recommend? So honestly, I have to admit, I'm, I'm really not the best at this. It's something I struggle with, especially having my photography business and working um, almost full time as a social worker. Wow. So for me, it can be really def- difficult to separate my time, like my work, business and personal time in an effective way. Yeah. So luckily, I have Mondays off for my social work job. So those are the days that I really dedicate to working my butt off, like in the office or getting sessions, you know, done if people are available. Um, But kind of my biggest technique for time would be lists. So I really love creating lists because I can kind of take all of those ideas that are floating around in my head and put them down into one place. So then I can focus kind of on each each different thing separately. Um, It helps me to kind of stay centered because I can arrange all of these thoughts on paper or on computer most likely, but and prioritize them to not get too caught up on any one of them. So for example, I, I use the Google tasks a lot. Okay. And so it's, it's transferable whether I'm, you know, doing some work on my computer or whether I'm doing work on my phone, like my list is just right there. So it's quite handy. Yeah. You know, there's, and it's funny, Google tasks is, is about as simple as you can get when it comes to a task mm-hmm. manager, but there's something is, is uh, that is significant. I will say to looking at what you have to do. It's one thing to think, oh, I got to do this. And then, you know, five minutes later, like, oh, I need to do that too. And then 20 minutes later, oh, I, I got to make sure I, I get that done before the end of today. And you have these these thoughts and these ideas kind of just randomly existing in your head. And the likelihood of those being forgotten is quite high. 
And, you know, yes. then if you start to, to put those to paper, I mean, there's something significant to writing something down. In fact, I'm, I'm taking notes. I have a notebook in front of me with a pen and I'm taking notes as we write, but I tend to lean toward digital solutions for task man- management, project management, because mm-hmm. the likelihood of that thing getting lost with all the synchronization yes. that we have across <laughs> devices now is very little, right? Yes. So just having simple, almost personal accountability with what we have to do, having a tool that we can list out everything that we need to do is number one, extremely valuable Two, It also, especially for those of you who feel like you can't relax and go to sleep at night because there's so much going on inside your head, having a place where you can unload all of that and know that it's going to be there when you wake up and that you can relax and sleep, I think is also really, really important. Yeah. And I think for me too, another way that, or another reason that it's super handy and it works for me is because you know, if I'm in the middle of my day at my social work job and I think of something and I'm like, oh, yeah. darn, I have to remember to do that, like in regards to my business when I get home, I can just shove it onto one of those lists and then I can, you know, let it just leave my mind and then focus back on my social work job. And it doesn't feel like it gets that thought gets lost anywhere. Yeah, that's so good. That's so important. It's a great reminder for everybody. I know that that it's becoming more popular for photographers to use these customer relationship management systems that have some type of task management built in. I I personally find a lot of value in having a a task and project manager that kind of is cross-platform, if you will, with my personal and professional life. I personally use Todoist. We'll link to this in Mm -hmm. the the show notes for those of you who are curious. But uh, yeah, having a place that you know those things that need to get done will be they're not going to be forgotten. They're not going to get lost. It's not a piece of paper that's going to get thrown away. Um, I think it's really important. So thanks for that reminder too. Talk to us about the most impactful book that you've maybe read or even listened to. Is there something that comes to mind? So I really love reading, but I often can't find time to do it. But I'm definitely sure if I cut out my crap TV in the evenings, I would get a <laughs> lot more reading done. Now now you have me curious. What's your crap TV? What's one of your favorite shows? Um, Like Big Brother or okay. Survivor, yeah. you know, those shows. I just, I don't know. It's it's my way to wind down at the end of the evening. I have them on PVR and then I just throw them on and kind of my wind down. But I should read more often. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. It's it's easy to, uh, first of all, to to not create that space to, for one reason or another, and, and especially at the end of the day. I mean, you, you've got a lot on your plate. You're working a full-time job and then photography on top of that. We're going to get into the details of that here in just a little bit. But um, it, there's there's something at the end of the day that's really nice to be able to just kind of let go mentally and not have to think too mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's those shows where you can just shut off your brain. But yeah. I, I definitely do a lot of driving since I live out in the, in this rural area. But, um, so I listen to a lot of business related podcasts, hence where I found the Boca podcast. Awesome. Um, but some of the business podcasts that I'm into are, um, the photography together podcast by Kyle Yates. Okay. Um, the Listening by Kayla Tanay. Kayla is a wedding and elopement photographer based out of Calgary, Alberta. Cool. Um, she's kind of been my idol since I, um, ever since I got into photography. So I've really watched her business kind of take flight and grow. And so it's been really cool for me to kind of, you know, see her grow. And I've learned a lot from her. So I really love her podcast. I also listen to The Business of Photography by Sprout Studio and Gold Digger Podcast by Jenna Kutcher. So those are my really favorite business ones. And we'll link to all these in the show notes too. Again, for those of you who are curious and want to check them out. I, and I am curious, speaking of curiosity, I'm curious, Sienna, what what is it that draws you to 
um, uh, these podcasts? I mean, is there one or two things in particular that comes to mind that draws you in? Because we have so many, as I alluded to earlier, so many different sources for education and you know, pulling in information about business and photography. And of course, even at the, pod, at the Boca podcast, we've put out well over 250 episodes at this point. There's a lot of content there. How do you choose what content to go to and what not to? That's a really good question. I think that you know, I kind of just stumble across a lot of different photography podcasts and I'll kind of listen to an episode here or there, like whichever one piques my interest. And then for some reason, you know, this, this Boca podcast and the other, the other that I just spoke of, they just grabbed my attention a little bit more, I guess. Well, I, I will take that as a compliment and I will also <laughs> yes, commit. Definitely a compliment. <laughs> well, I will, <laughs> I will certainly commit to continuing to work to improve. And for those of you listening in, you may have even noticed the last few episodes, we've changed the format a little bit, kind of reordered questions. I asked the questions a little bit differently. We continue to, to take feedback very, very seriously. So if you ever have any ideas or suggestions about how we can make this even more enjoyable to listen to, whether it's you know the type of content that we're discussing, the guests that we're having on, the way that the content is communicated, any bit of it, don't hesitate to just send me an email directly. It's Nathan at photographersedit.com and would love to get your feedback. Of course, you can also leave reviews in the uh, Apple Podcast app as well. Would really appreciate that as well. Talk to us about the most unusual item in your camera bag, Sienna, something that enables you to be a better photographer. And this doesn't have to be you know, a camera, body, or lens, or anything of the sort, and anything obvious, I guess I should say. What comes to mind? Yeah, so I'm not really sure if, there, if I have anything super unusual, <laughs> okay. but... I do have some prisms that I love to use when I'm oh. doing kind of a portrait session. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't use them so much on wedding days because you know, it's, you're kind of in a rush in those times most of the time. So kind of when I'm just doing either couple sessions or portrait sessions, we're just hanging out for the evening. Um, I'll use them a little bit. And so I, I really like to, you know, use those because it really changes how the image is created. Yeah. And I think it's really neat, you know, the different light refractions that you can get. Well, and, and there's something to be said too, for not using it all the time. I, it's, it's, I like the fact that you're not using it for all your work. You're just kind of mixing in occasionally. And I, I know that like back in the day we had a, a fisheye, I shot weddings for over 10 years. For those of you who haven't heard me say that 50 times already. Uh, but during, during that time frame, there were different experiments that happened that turned into more than experience experiments, I guess, with different types of equipment, you know, film cameras, digital cameras, types of, uh, I, I, thinking about the fisheye lens in particular, different ways about going about shooting or using lighting. Um, I had a, a Russian panoramic camera that I used for, for quite a while, actually. But all of that can almost become cliche and that the uniqueness factor kind of gets taken away if you use it all the time. So being selective and using some of those special techniques, I think, is really important. Yeah, and it's cool because I have kind of a regular prism, but the other one that I got, um, which is really neat, is it looks, it looks like it's supposed to be actually hung on a chandelier. So it's like a circle and it's made out of glass and wow. the middle is open. So you can hold it up to your lens and it kind of creates like an outline of light refraction yeah. and it leaves the open uh, or the middle open. And so that one's really cool because it's different than just a regular prism and it refracts the light in so many different ways. So I've got some really cool shots with that one. And I literally ordered it off Amazon and I'm pretty sure it's for like a light fixture of some sort no way okay <laughs> yeah well that's good to know that's a great idea for those who are listening <laughs> and if you want to experiment with something new 
Um, and speaking yeah. of something new, we've this is again a topic that we haven't really gotten into in much detail. I guess at this point at the Boca Podcast, how to be a successful part time photographer. And Sienna, before we had the opportunity to chat today, you emailed me this statement, and and I want to read it for the listeners just to kind of give them a little bit of context to our conversation. You said, lately, Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of reflection on my life as a social worker and a photographer and realizing that at this point in my life, I actually don't want to be a full-time photographer, and that's okay. I feel like we are always bombarded with the thoughts that if you're not full-time, you're not, quote, successful. And I put that in quotes because truly, we need to all determine what success looks like for ourselves. And so I'd love for you, if you don't mind, just to kind of get us started to lend a little bit of context to the statement and share a bit of that backstory, not only as a photographer, but as a social worker, too, and how these two work together. Sure. Yeah. So um, I got my first camera at the age of 14. My mom had bought me a Pentax KX. Yeah. Um, so she bought me that and I kind of used it for a little while when I was a teenager, you know, go out and do like fashion show photo shoots with my friends yes. and have the most god-awful makeup <laughs> and outfits and yeah there was probably some goth ones in there too of course. but we kind of just had fun playing around with that my camera and then when I went I didn't really know how to use it I mean I was really only using auto and and my little pop-up flash but then when I went to university for social work I kind of put my camera down and didn't really do anything with it for my first two years when I was back in school and then I got accepted into my social work degree. So my first two years, I did my social work diploma in Edmonton at McEwen University. um, And it was an in-person program. But then my last two years of my degree, I actually was able to do it online through um, University of Calgary. So doing it online allowed me to work while I was going to school. So it was really, really helpful to have that income. Yeah. But then I kind of, I started to pick up my camera again. And I, um, you know, found Kayla Tanay, like who I mentioned earlier and started following her business. And I just, I really became interested in it again. And I essentially taught myself, you know, how to shoot manual. I kind of taught myself everything that I know about my camera so far. And yeah, I kind of just turned into, it started very slow and I was very, very nervous. Like I can still remember my first couple shoot and I thought I was going to throw up because I was so nervous. And I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that feeling. And I, I mentioned this, um, I think, on a, a recent episode that that first time that I went to shoot a wedding, I, I mean, I read books. This was back in the day of books before you know the Internet was as big as it is now. And so I'm, I'm looking at books and, and I had the opportunity to, to attend a wedding as well and kind of get a little bit of perspective on how a wedding photographer even worked at a wedding. But the reality was I was going in pretty blind. So I, I know what that feeling is. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, you know, a scary feeling. And then, like I said earlier, I kind of tried a little bit of everything. So I did a couple of graduations, I did a couple of newborns, I did a few family sessions. And you know, just the couples really, really, I don't know, stood out to me, because I think of the intimacy of it all. Um, when you're doing family photos, I mean, typically, it's not very intimate, it might be playful, it might be, you know, exciting and fun. But I really love the intimacy of couples, mm-hmm. you know, the closeness of them. Yeah. So and that's really, I think, what I work best in. So that's kind of what I, you know, drifted towards. But um, I'm really only going on a year of actually being a business. I've been shooting now for two years. But yeah, and then I shot my first wedding and I just was completely hooked. So as I was finishing my social work degree, um, I became a business and I kind of, you know, started putting more work into actually marketing myself as, you know, a elopement and wedding and couples photographer. 
Well, and, and this leads me to a question which I think will help further put things in context, cause context because we're talking about the idea of being successful. And as you pointed out, you've been in business now for a year. And some might think, well, how can you claim to be successful if you've only been shooting for a year? What does that even mean? I'm curious how you personally define success, Sienna, because I think this will help lend further context to the conversation and help us make the argument a little bit more effectively. Yeah, for sure. So this is kind of something that I've learned is that you should really never gauge your success outwardly or like using others as a measuring point. Although I think in our day and age, it can be super difficult because of social media, right? So we're always kind of in that comparison mode and right. comparison is the thief of all joy, I think. <laughs> but it can get so easy to kind of get caught up in what everyone else is doing and what their success looks like. For example, like they have X amount of followers, so they must be successful. So really gauging that outwardly. Um, but I think I like to really define my success based on goals that I create for myself yes. and the work and the work that I put towards them. So it can be really easy to say like, I will be successful when this happens, when blank happens. But if you don't put the work towards it, then you can't mm. expect it to happen. So, but if you do put a lot of work towards something and it doesn't happen, I still think of that as a form of, of success because you were able to learn along the way. And this is kind of a point that I'll mention, you know, further in our conversation, but, you know, just really breaking down those goals and, you know, like, like breaking them down and working towards one by one. I think each one is really a success. Well, it goes back to the idea we were talking about with lists too, right? I mean, if you don't mm -hmm. actually take the time to list out what it is that you're trying to achieve, then first of all, it's a lot more difficult to figure out if you're even getting anything done. Um, and many times it'll probably get frustrating if you've clearly outlined what it is that you're trying to achieve. And, and I like the fact, I know that we talk a lot about this idea of a big picture view and overarching goals and what we're reaching toward personally and how that should affect our business model. But it cannot be emphasized enough because if we're going to save time, which is so much about what Boca is focused on and certainly what Photographer's Edit is about, saving photographers time, if we're going to save time in our lives to do more than just simply work, then ultimately we have to be very, very clear about what it is that we're trying to achieve. And, and part of mm -hmm. that goal set is going to be tied to, or hopefully tied to your definition of success, Sienna, which I really love, which is simply goals I create myself, right? That I'm not mm -hmm. going to look outwardly and base my so-called success on what this photographer says is being a good photographer, a good business owner, or what this book says, or what this website says. It, my success is dependent on achieving my personal goals. And that's when I'm going to feel as though I've been successful in one form or another. I do love the fact that you, you also emphasize putting in the work too, because I will say that even in the last um, number of months and, and in some ways in the last couple of years or so too, I've, I've realized the significance of, or at least the importance for myself personally of being more consistent in the work that I put in. I, my personality, and I can go into the psychology maybe of, of, of why, but I, I know that I have a tendency of kind of being, I, I go to extremes and then pull back. I don't want to go, I don't want to say manic depressive because that sounds kind of dramatic, but I, I tend to enjoy the high of going hard for a short amount of time and then mm -hmm. pulling back. And this is true. I've seen in both my personal and business life. So I knew that I needed to be more consistent and, and the podcast was, was an effort associated with that, that effort, my day-to-day -day schedule, even uh, the way that I handle on a personal level, my diet, the way that I engage with my kids or, you know, others uh, close to me or those close to me. And so 
consistency is really, really important. You have to consistently put in the work. And it's not about, again, burning yourself out. But if you know exactly what it is that you're trying to achieve, it's a lot easier to be consistent in the effort to achieve those particular goals. And so I'm glad that, that you highlight that. Do you, do you feel like your definition, and this is almost, uh, I, I guess an, uh, there's an obvious answer to this question based on your definition, but do you feel like that definition of success will continue to, to change or do you think it'll always stay the same? What are your, what's your perspective on that? Well, I honestly think, I think it's a lifelong learning process that kind of ebbs and flows and you kind of learn along the way. And I think, yeah, I think it's just, it changes all the time and I think you can learn, learn with it. Well, and what I was thinking too is if, if our definition of success, uh, again, based on, on what you explained earlier is, is rooted in goals that we create for ourselves, those goals maybe on the bigger picture level aren't going to change as much, but in order to achieve the bigger picture goals, the, the smaller goals um, are going to continue to change, right, in one form or another in order to get us to the next step. Yeah, and I think it's super important, like, to have those big goals, you know, what am I doing one year out? What am I doing five years from now? That sort of thing and planning, you know, for those really big moments, you know, in your life. Like, I've always wanted to travel. So now that I'm done school and and in a really great job and, and my photography business is kind of taking off and thinking of, going on a trip next year for a couple months. And that's something that I've always wanted to do. But that's kind of one of those big goals that that you have to plan for in like very little steps. But I also think um, another point that I wanted to mention is we need to remember to like really reflect on what we've done. So be that six months ago or the past year or maybe even two years hmm. to really embrace like all of our accomplishments, because I think it's easy to coast through our day to day life and forget to celebrate these little accomplishments. So it can be really eye opening and positive to reflect back and see how far we've come. Like, I know that was a big thing for me kind of lately being, you know, in business for a year, I'm actually reflecting back on goals that I had. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Like I met this one. I met this <laughs> one, but you kind of forget, right? Yeah. Well, but there's, there's no way to, I, well, I shouldn't say no way, but it's gonna be much more difficult to effectively celebrate those accomplishments. Again, if you haven't clearly outlined them, you know, if, mm -hmm. if I can go back, yeah. for example, I use Evernote as a tool quite a bit. I also use Todoist for task and project management. And actually, to that point, even Todoist enables you to go back and look at tasks that you completed. Evernote, if I make notes, if I journal, for example, about something that I want to accomplish, and then in a year, I can look back and, and see what those goals were. There is there is more of a, a definitive sense of accomplishment when you know, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I've set out to do this and look where we're at now. So having taken the time to clearly outline those goals and, and list them out or write them out in detail, not only does it enable you to be able to consistently put the effort into those goals necessary to achieve them, but you can also celebrate them more effectively, which is, I, that's a really great point. Now, I'm curious, just for the sake of, of making it more kind of tangible and practical for our listeners, what are a few principles, ideas that our listeners should consider if they want to develop and define their own path to success? What, what are your thoughts on that? I, you know, I think that people should try and define their success by only looking inward and not outward. So really do some digging and ask yourself what success looks like for you personally without all of the outside noise. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. And it's something that I think I work on every single day and try and remind myself to really look inward and not and not compare myself. But I think that's kind of the number one the number one point that has really helped me to kind of define my version of success. Okay. And I like that you say without the outside noise, there is so much noise, isn't there? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it can be really tough. And especially like we were talking earlier, you know, Instagram nowadays is such a huge thing for photographers, but you're just constantly, you know, bombarded with these photographers who have 20,000 followers, 60,000 followers, however many rights. And there's um, all of these styled shoots that they're doing and they look so amazing. And, you know, you get really caught up in that, in that world and it can be easy to kind of compare yourself. But I think it's really important to remind ourselves that, that all of our success is different. Well, and you know, I, I was thinking as you were breaking that down, because what you're pointing out is quite true. We, we get on Instagram and we end up following somebody who's a so-called celebrity in our industry or maybe other industries as well. And they have this significant following. But speaking of significance, I, I think that's a lot of times what we're ultimately looking for, right? We, we admire this person who has the ability to, to get other people's attention in one form or another, mm-hmm. whether it's through the photography or what they have to say. And we, we want some of that significance. We want to feel that significance. And the reality, again, is if we base our significance on what other people are accomplishing versus what we actually want to accomplish, and, and hopefully our goals are, are deeply rooted in our value set, the things most yes. important to us, um, then it's going to be difficult to find that significance and ultimately f- the, the, the fulfillment that can come from that. Whereas if we're very clear about those, those desires, those goals, and then we're able to accomplish them, then the significance is irrelevant of the, the number of followers that we have. We've accomplished the goals that we set out to accomplish. They're a reflection of our values. And now we've gone way deeper and you can find way more fulfillment in that than having you know, 10 or 20 or 30,000 followers or whatever it might be. Yeah, totally, totally. And so another principle that I kind of like to mention is like uh, what we talked about earlier, but separating your big goals into those smaller goals and tasks and focusing on celebrating each one as a a success, as opposed to only celebrating those big goals. So Mm. that's another really point that's, and like I said, that I've been doing lately even, and I'm like, wow, I, I, even just a year ago, I never thought I would accomplish that. So a really great example is destination wedding was something that I had always wanted to do. And I, it kind of felt so far out of reach, but in this past year, I've now, um, well, I've shot two destination weddings and I'm, I'm headed to one more this week. So it's kind of cool to be able to kind of look back. And that was, that was a goal that I had that I was like, Oh, I'll never get there. (laughs) (laughs) And do you like with these goals, I know we talked about the significance of lists earlier, but when we were talking about being specific about the goals, do you journal? Do you just write out the goals and do you reference those throughout the year? What is that? Do you have a process with that? Yeah. So actually last year I used a paper uh, day timer Okay. and I can't remember what it was called. Oh goodness. I would have to look, but it's, it's one that, um, every month you kind of put down what your goal is and you go through and you make kind of smaller tasks to get to that goal. And then they have, I think quarterly where you kind of break down a little bit further in your journaling with your goals. And so I used that my first year and it was really cool because it really, really helped me to kind of define what I wanted to get done in my first year of business. Mm. Um, Now I kind of more just focus on my list on the computer. So I kind of, for the goals that I'm working on, um, I just kind of have separate lists for each of them. That's the way that I've been doing it this year. And it's been working a lot better for me because I've I've been finding that I have a little bit of OCD. And anytime (laughs) that I try and write in a day timer and it doesn't look nice, it really makes me angry. (laughs) So I've now turned to the computer where it looks the same. (laughs) And it's a lot cleaner, right? Yeah. Yes. I totally totally get that. I really do. But you you pointed out the significance of breaking down goals into smaller tasks. And this is a Mm -hmm. reflection of the idea that we've talked about here in the podcast before 
of it when we talked about project task and project management. And again, if you go to bocapodcast.com and do a search for task management or project management, you'll probably find actually multiple episodes where we speak on this. But David Allen is an author who wrote the book Getting Things Done a number of years ago. And and there's some pretty powerful principles innate to that book, but certainly one of the one of the more important elements there that you can take away and apply immediately in your business and your personal life is this this notion of breaking projects down into smaller tasks. I mean, this is a this is a principle just simply innate to good task and project management. If you say, "Hey, I'm going to go. I need to clean the garage this weekend," and and that's a task. The likelihood of getting that done goes down because you look at that and you know how long it could potentially take. It's a massive project, mm-hmm. uh, more so for some people probably than others. But then, then you you're likely to put it off, or you put it off until the end of the weekend, and now you're faced with this massive project and and you don't have time to get it all done. Whereas if you were to break that project down into multiple tasks, then you have the ability to knock smaller tasks off one at a time. They're not so overwhelming, so you're not tending to procrastinate. And then before you know it, you'll find that you've accomplished that particular thing. So breaking the, the project or the, in this case, the goal down into smaller tasks makes the whole thing much more manageable, less overwhelming, and uh, will encourage the likelihood that you actually accomplish that goal. Well, and I think there's something to be said too for, um, I can be bad for making too many little tasks out of the goal <laughs> and then it becomes overwhelming. Yeah, true. So I've definitely had to learn how to, you know, keep those tasks to a good, a good number, okay. a good size, because I think too, I would break things down so much sometimes that it would just get, you know, completely overwhelming and then I wouldn't <laughs> want to do it at all. So it's funny how it can kind of go either way. You know, you don't break it down at all or you couldn't even break it down. Uh, too much. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. No, I can I can very much relate to that. I could see getting a little. As you, you said OCD earlier. I I could see doing the same thing myself. But <laughs> yeah, the, the the important principle certainly is to just take the time to break it down a little bit. It'll make it a lot more manageable. And and I think that's a great piece of advice. So start with looking inward. What do you want? Not what does somebody else want? What does somebody else think looks cool? Or um, it, what does somebody else define as successful? But what do you want? Look inward. And then secondly, separate big goals into smaller tasks. This makes it much more manageable, achievable, less overwhelming. Any other thoughts to add to this? I think just to really, you know, celebrate what you've done and be really proud of what you've done. Hmm. Um, like, like I said earlier, it can be so easy to just go day to day and been like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I achieved that today or I did this today. But for me, you know, really like writing those goals down and even having them like above your desk or, you know, in your, someplace you see it every day on your computer desktop, those kind of big goals that you have. And then, um, really celebrating what you've done and acknowledging how far you've come and what you've accomplished is really important. I think. Well, and I, I think that's a great way to sum up our conversation. I really appreciate you making time to to share with us, Sienna. Will you share, speaking of sharing, will you share with our listeners where they can follow what you're doing online, both your website and on social media? Yeah, for sure. Um, so people can find me on Instagram at Sienna Leaf Photography um, or on my website at SiennaLeafPhotography.com. Um, and I'm kind of going through a little bit of a rebrand right now. So I'm getting excited to release my logo and all of the work that I've, you know, had done on my brand. I was previously named Simply Leaf Photography, 
Um, but I've recently gone through a change, um, changing it just to my name, Sienna Leaf Photography. And I'm really excited moving forward. So people can check me out, you know, on Instagram or there on my website. Perfect. Yeah, we will. And we'll definitely link to those, both your website and Instagram in the show notes so you can check it out. And speaking of show notes, for those of you listening in, make sure you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. You can see the show notes associated with today's conversation with Sienna. But um, thanks again, Sienna, for, for this. Thanks for making time, kind of first thing in your day to, to chat about something that is really, really important to our industry. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been so great. Like I said, I was, you know, looking around for this topic and couldn't find it anywhere. So I'm really great that I was able to kind of talk about it with you today. Yeah, well, I definitely a huge value add for our listeners. Y'all make sure that you listen and maybe listen again, soak these principles in. And uh, Sienna and I were actually talking about this before uh, we started recording, but there's something significant about actually taking the time to apply what you're listening, what you're consuming, this content. We don't just put this content out there just for the sake of putting content out there. Ultimately, we want to add value and where it's going to be most valuable in your life is where you take these principles as, as simple as they may seem and actually go apply them to your personal life, to your business to make a massive, massive impact and and not only to your life, but to your business. So thanks again, Sienna. And uh, thank you all for listening in. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Dot com.